welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. Today, we're going to begin our Advent series. And so if you're new this morning, you've come at a good time. We're starting a new series this morning on Advent, and our community life pastor, Ben Barnhart, who you heard from this morning, has envisioned these four, five teachings, if you include uh, Christmas Eve, as a time for us to center around uh, the true, what is the true meaning of Christmas, Charlie Brown? It seems like we get lost a lot of times, and we want to know what the true meaning of Christmas is, the true heart of Christmas. And Advent is something that the church has celebrated for hundreds of years. The word Advent comes from a Latin word, Adventus, which means the approach or coming. And so throughout history, the church has celebrated three comings of Jesus. uh, The coming of God in the flesh in Jesus at Bethlehem. The coming of God to our hearts daily and the second coming of Christ in the end. And so today we're not only going to look back at when hope hit the scene, we're also considering what it means to carry and share hope today. But also we're looking forward to the day when Jesus returns and the kingdom of God comes in fullness. We're going to talk about hope this morning. And we saw a wonderful outworking of hope this morning in baptisms. We celebrated hope, a new hope in, not Star Wars, a new hope in the folks who uh, said, you know, I've got hope in Jesus. And I want to share that with you this morning. When we talk about the subject of hope, we can be so ethereal. And the truth is, is that it's become a virtue that we understand so very little about. So what we're after today in talking about hope is less about defining what it is. We don't need more information. Anyone here in five seconds could Google hope and come up with a billion different definitions. But the truth is is that we're not looking for someone to explain to us what hope is We're really desiring someone who embodies what hope means. We're not looking for an accurate description of hope. We're desiring an embodiment of hope. And the vision here today is to get really specific about who and what we're hoping in. And how we can share that hope with others around us. In 1 Peter 1.3 which is where we're going to be primarily focusing on, but we'll jump around a little bit. In 1 Peter 1.3, Peter writes this. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. You know, we have an anchored hope Hope was symbolized in earlier times as an anchor drawn from this passage of scripture in Hebrews. And that's the thing about hope. It's anchored is that hope shows up, period. Hope shows up. Hope does the heavy lifting. We rarely invite hope. 
but it sneaks up on us when we don't feel like having any. Hope shows up in unlikely places and unimaginable times. If we want to look at what it means to share hope with others, we need not look any further than the person of Jesus and how he showed up. Jesus showed up, Jesus showed up at a point in history that no one anticipated and in a place that no one expected. And hope always does that, doesn't it? Hope always does that. Hope shows up unexpectedly. Hope surprises us. Think about Jesus. Jesus doesn't show up. Hope doesn't show up as a conquering general, but as a helpless baby. Not with a trumpet blast from the sky, but with a whisper and a whimper. He doesn't arrive in the middle of a center of power or a global empire, but in the middle of nowhere in Bethlehem, in an animal stable. Not in front of everyone on some grand geopolitical stage, but hidden and tucked away. He didn't come to be the savior of a select few of one ethnicity or socioeconomic group, But hope came in such a way to save the whole of humanity. Wealthy and homeless, rich and poor, Jew and Gentile, black and white, old and young, and even tweens too. Can I get an amen? Amen. I'm now the father of a tween. (laughs) Leave it at that. Yeah, everyone's in on the story of hope because it's centered on the person of Jesus. Everyone gets in on it. Our living, unexpected, unprecedented hope, Jesus Christ. Hebrews 6, 19 tells us, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. What is this hope that's anchored in history? This hope is the, that we have, that we carry, this living hope that Peter talks about is the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Have you ever stopped to think about how Jesus was this real person? This is what it means to have an anchor. Like he wasn't, it's not just wishful thinking. That Jesus really was this person who was born in history. That Jesus really was this baby boy who had a father who was a carpenter. He really did grow up in Israel. He really did go to a Roman cross to die for our sins. He really did raise from the dead. The fact of the resurrection is noted by sources outside of the biblical record. He really was a real person. When we stop to think about how Jesus really was a real person, as real as the person sitting next to you right now, it anchors our hope in history. To have an anchored hope is to view hope not as a feeling, but a reality that we experience. And this can bring us, this reality can bring us through any storm that we face in life. That's what I'm banking on. 
That this hope who arrived at a definite point in history died and the father raised him up from the dead as the first of the new creation. And what the father did for Jesus, the father will do for every single person on the planet. This gives me hope that's solid and secure. Are you convinced this morning? I'm not trying to convince you. I'm not trying to sell you something. We'll get to that in a minute. Not me selling you something, talking about people trying to sell you things. So let's be clear. But are you convinced? Am I convinced? Are we convinced this morning, as Paul writes in Romans 8, that I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor demons, Neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Jesus, our living hope, really did exist. Jesus Christ really did exist in a definite point in history, and he died, and he rose again, and absolutely nothing will separate you from the love of God That's found in Jesus, our living hope. Hope in the unexpected places of our lives. That's what it's about. Where it seems hopeless, that's what hope is for. That's where hope thrives. Don't give up. This morning, whatever you're facing, don't give in. Hope is knocking at the door. Where it seems like that relationship will never heal, where you're Marriage feels dead. Living hope comes and raises it from the grave. When all around seems like despair and depression is flooding your mind, let living hope come and raise the dead. Anxiety, habitual sin, a child who's far from God, you feel disappointed, disappointment is welling inside. Come let the living hope raise the dead in your heart. This Advent. We don't only have a hope that's anchored in the past, we have a hope that sustains us in the present. A hope that sustains us in the present. Peter says, if we've claimed Jesus as as Lord, that we've been born into a living hope. You know, there's so much false hope going around our culture and our, our society today. Everyone's peddling it. Things we give our desire and our hearts and our minds to that end up letting us down. I'm with you, man. (laughs) It's why Isaac Watts wrote, Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Not joy to the world, the Lord has come. The Lord is come. It's true, joy to the world, the Lord has come. But Watts says the Lord is come. The living hope means that he offers you hope in this moment, presently. Joy to the Lord is come. There's so much fake and false hope. I've been re-watching the Netflix series Mad Men. Have any of you seen that? Mad Men's funny because Don Draper, the main character, is just a despicable man. He's terrible. He's like... He, he, do you guys, have you seen 
Am I alone? I'm the only one who's seen Mad Men. Are you serious? It was like a block. It won so many awards. I'm the only one. That's crazy. Okay, there's a few. So it'll hit home for those few of you. I'm sorry. I'll choose a better analogy like Seinfeld or something next time. Goodness gracious. Uh, In this show, uh, Mad Men, it tells the story of a group of advertising executives in New York City on Madison Avenue through the 1960s and early 70s. And how they architectured modern advertising. How what we experience today as advertising is directly, or marketing is directly correlated to what these primarily white men did in the 1960s, which is create need, create want for things we don't need, for things we don't have or naturally possess in our life. And they were good at it. And so they sold it to us, creating this false hope Products that don't deliver what they promise. It's fake. It's false hope in our world today, which has been emphasized only by social media culture, where everything seems to be shinier than it really is in reality, or it's the opposite, where everything's made to look rusty, so it never shows how beautiful it is in its natural state. Where can we find real hope in the world that continue, a world that continues to peddle false hope? It's in the truth that Jesus didn't just die and rise from the dead, but that Jesus lives today. And when we share Jesus with others, we keep this in perspective that we carry a living hope. Just as we sang this morning, we carry hope. It's a living hope that lives inside of us. We can share hope with others in very practical ways. You know, one way that we can inspire hope in others is just simply to sit down and have coffee and give somebody a listening ear. When we just stop talking for a minute, four fingers back at myself, and we just listen, and we listen with the Holy Spirit, God, what are you doing in this person's life? Where are the fingerprints of God in this person's life? Because God is working so much harder than anyone on the planet to inspire hope in the children that he loves. And he loves everybody. So that person that you're having coffee with, God wants to inspire hope in that person even more than you want to. He's such a faithful father. We can inspire hope in other people by supporting their dreams in front of our own. You know, people keep putting their hope in the promises of politicians. And we know where that leads. Those hopes just get trampled or forgotten or dashed. Politicians can't offer us living hope. We only find living hope in believing God has a better future for us based upon what he's done for us in the past. It's the faithfulness of God who is our living hope. N.T. Wright says that hope is what you get when you suddenly realize that a different worldview is possible. That transformation still exists. Whether you're two years old or 92, from kids, from one to 92, 
Transformation is possible. A new worldview opens up when you begin to live with the sense of living hope inside of you. Hope produces joy and crushes cynicism and despair. And that makes me excited to share hope with others. Dang it. Now, I might not be smiley all the time, like some of you. But I've got hope living inside of me. You know, you and I, if you claim Jesus, you carry the authentic article in you. You're the real deal. You carry the thing that those advertising executives are trying to mimic. You hold it in your chest. He's called the Holy Spirit. There's more. There's more. It's not just what we've been fed through Sunday school all growing up. Or if you've been around the church for any period of time that you say a sinner's prayer, you get fire insurance from hell and wait till you die. No, there's work to be done. And you carry hope inside of you. The hope of the world is sitting right there in your chair. Christ in you, sustaining hope in you. Not just to get you through the bleak January days. I know they're coming when the sun sets at 2.30 p.m. in Cleveland, Ohio. You say, ah, I mean, I'm with you there. We long for summer. The holidays are over. Depression starts to creep in. You've just spent time with those people you love so much called your family. Depression starts to creep in. And it's just, it's all you can do to muster hope to get through until the sun sets again at 2.30 the next day. But what Jesus is telling us in the scripture, what Jesus says through Peter is that we have a living hope. So it's more than just to get through the blah days. But it's waking up on Monday morning saying, I'm excited because I carry hope inside. You might not be an extrovert like me. And so you don't have to share with a billion people how excited you are that it's Monday morning. But you still carry the same hope inside of you if you claim Jesus as Lord. You don't have to be afraid to share hope with others. Jesus comes to us individually and personally and invites us to give him our yes. I could tell you stories in the community of people who are inspiring hope in other people. One of the folks who was baptized this morning inspired hope in me. Tovia, I was scrolling through Instagram and came across this post, and Tovia uh, shares that she's doing a shoe drive for veterans. And I thought, man, that's amazing. That's great. And so I talked with her, and I, was, and I said, what organization are you doing this with? Who, who's starting this shoe drive? And she goes, no, no organization. I just, I just love veterans. I'm like, are you kidding me? This is it. This is vision. It's not led by the staff of Vineyard Cleveland, by the pastors of Vineyard Cleveland. Tovia had this thought. You know what? 
I love veterans. And it might be good if they had some shoes. It's not deeply spiritual. It's not deeply religious. It just seemed like a good idea. And so in January, we said, hey, I, told, I asked Sovia, can we get in on that? Can Vineyard Cleveland? That's the way. I'm following you guys more than you're following me. I'm trying to keep up. Dylan and Billy, another one. Billy works for the city mission, and they're inspiring to raise money to support teenagers all over Cuyahoga County. How can we get in on that? These types of things that you do with your heart and your hand, that you dream the Father's dreams over the city of Cleveland, inspires hope, not just in the people that you're serving, not just in the teens that you're supporting, not just in the veterans that you're giving shoes to. It's right, because it's not just about the shoes, man. It's about the hope that's created around the shoes and the hope that's inspired in other people. That's living hope right there. How will you inspire hope in 2019? This Advent season, how will you inspire hope? It's convicting to me. It's challenging. It's encouraging. Let's be a people who inspire living hope in others. The living hope is not only anchored in the death and the resurrection of Jesus in the past. It's not only a sustaining living hope in the present. It's also a living hope that's completed in the future. The completed hope that Jesus is coming again. Completed hope. Jesus is coming again. Jesus will come again. Our hope just isn't anchored in the past of something that happened long, long ago, like some fairy tale. Our hope isn't just sustaining the resurrection that's happening through the Holy Spirit in our lives now. He's raising the dead in us today. In this moment, our hope will be completed in the future. Jesus will come again. There's so much anxiety about the future in our society, isn't there? All you need to do is Netflix and chill. All you need to do is turn on Netflix and see how many dystopian movies there are available for you to watch. This anxious view about what the future will hold. I know because I personally enjoy dystopia films. (laughs) What does that say about me? Probably a number of things. End of the world, plague, virus, who's going to save the day? Oh, I'm in. Count me in. Sci-fi or fantasy, that's me. I'm, I'm there. But there's so many dystopian movies that are circulated in our culture today because people are living with a sense of despair and anxiety about what's going to happen next. The anti-heroes... The Hunger Games. But we know the truth. And the Apostle John has a vision of how it ends. And how it doesn't end is in destruction. It begins with new creation and on and on forever with Jesus the hero. John writes of our completed hope in Revelation. Here, here it is. This is where we're headed. Then I saw a new Heaven and a new earth, 
For the first earth and the, the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe, here it is. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, my version, or racism or discrimination or social injustice or hunger or human trafficking. For the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne, this is Jesus who says, listen to what Jesus says. I am making everything new. Brand new. Then he said, here it is. This is the hinge point. It's not only that he makes everything new. Listen to what Jesus says next to John. Write this down. Write it down. For these words are trustworthy and true. What Jesus is saying is you can take this one to the bank. It doesn't end in a post-atomic apocalypse. The sun's going to come up tomorrow. And just as sure as the sun will come up tomorrow, Jesus Christ will return to reign and rule the new heavens and the new earth. Bank on it. He's coming and life is coming with him. Come on, you guys. We're loved by a God who loves us too much to let us slip into a dystopian movie feature film future. Right? We're loved by a God who sits outside of time and in our hearts at the very same moment. What? Who sees everything and loves us the same. All all of the tragedies, all, all of the injustices that have been suffered from the beginning of time, he sees with this grand perspective outside of space and time. And he comes to our hearts and he says, write this down. Write this down. This is trustworthy and true. He's coming back. He creates a new heaven and a new earth and wipes tears from faces. All mistrust banished, all death done away with, all of the injustices made right, no more pain. Edmund uh, Clowney is a New Testament scholar, and this is 
really where my heart has been settled this week. He, he said this about hope. He said that our hope is anchored in the past. Jesus rose. Our hope remains in the present. Jesus lives. And our hope is completed in the future. Jesus is coming. Why don't you join me in standing?